my view is we've gone through a transition from almost like RNA, which was the previous economy, to the sort of crypto economy being more like DNA. And what I mean by that is the actual substrate upon which we're building is inherently more programmable. And then life went from RNA to DNA, complex organisms need to be built, and, that, and you know, all technologies are built from sort of nested building blocks. Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement, where every week we bring you conversations, insights, and innovation highlights from emerging startup ecosystems all over the world. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz, and today I am joined by my guest, Justin Bannon. Justin is the founder of Boson Protocol, a decentralized infrastructure that connects smart contracts to real-world commerce and its data. It's bridging the divide between decentralized technologies and the transfer and trade of physical goods. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's been an interesting couple of weeks for me. I've gone down deep down this rabbit hole of NFTs and this kind of emerging category of um, social tokens that are being built on it. Uh, so I'm really excited about the space, really excited to have you on. We'd love to start off with a little bit about your background. I mean, I think you have a very diversified knowledge base. I mean, you have the kind of academic credentials, but have also blitz-scaled a company into a billion-dollar business in this kind of digital token, digital voucher space. So we'd love to just start off kind of with a little bit of your background, and then we'll dive sure. into this concept of um, decentralized commerce. Sure. So I, I started out, I did a physics degree at Imperial College London, but somehow I ended up working for a, a company called Priority Pass, who were basically selling airport lounge visits as paper or plastic vouchers. And they're about a $50 million per annum turnover company. I started doing a, a master's in, in digital business pretty early on and had the idea, okay, what happens if we, instead of representing products and services as, as paper and plastic vouchers, if we represent them as, as digital vouchers to meet this kind of growing demand, which was pretty nascent at the time, but you could see where the trend would lead, but this growing demand for products and services that would be compatible, that could flow through and be consumed by mobile apps. And um, yeah, that turned out to be a, a pretty good idea. Grew that business into a billion dollar per annum global digital platform um, and, and, and sort of moved up to the role of MD for that business as well. And so I mean, I'm sure there was a huge light bulb for you once you finally discovered you know, this concept of a non-fungible token on Ethereum. I mean, it seems like if you look at your, um, just your resume, like this, this was always a part of your destiny. So what about a NFT is unique or different than what you were doing with the digital vouchers back then? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's the permanence of, I mean, again, kind of, I see, I still tend to see things with, with that kind of through a bit of a physics view. And if you think of, of the, of the digital world, it, it has uh, a, a transience and impermanence of usually you can reverse things. Usually, you know, you can't enforce scarcity and an NFT has something of a real object. It's got a, a permanence and a scarcity, which means you can operate on it with, with rules in the way that you can operate on things in, you know, objects in the real world and with a degree of scarcity and irreversibility that makes it programmable. So for me, NFTs are to the digital world what objects are in the real world. And our use of NFTs with Boson is 
subtly different to the more common way of using NFTs, where most NFT use currently is for digital scarcity. It's for representing a, a digital item with enforced scarcity. We're using it differently because we're using an, an NFT actually not to represent, um, we, we don't use NFTs to represent the, the, the physical object. We use NFTs to represent a type of futures contract, a commitment for two parties to, to transact at a future date. And our NFTs take deposits on the buyer and the seller side and a payment amount and escrow all of that. But then that NFT uh, flows through a, a kind of game tree, a, a, like, a, like a maze, if you like which has the properties of incentivizing buyer and seller towards having a, a quality redemption or, or, or the happy path in the, in the transaction, if you like. So, yeah, I mean, our, our use of NFTs is quite different to, to, to most current uses. And so, I mean, is the key feature that you're building on top of the NFT, like, is, is the key feature the physical transfer of the object in the real world? So I pay for it, it the escrow thing happens, but then the payment doesn't actually get fulfilled until the physical object is delivered to my house. Yeah, I mean, if we take take a step back, if you think if you take an e-commerce business or you know Amazon is a good example, but take you know take take e-commerce for example, what happens is that the buyer that, that there's a transaction between a buyer and a seller, the happy path is fine, but what happens if there's a quality issue? then typically the intermediary will arbitrate. What happens if there's a reversal? The intermediary will manage that or arbitrate. And that's fine if you, if you want an intermediary, but intermediaries add cost, friction and trust and you, you know abuse of market power and all of those, those good things. So the, decent, the, you know, the, the, the decentralized alternative is to have a, a decentralized protocol that escrows the payment amounts and perhaps some deposits and if there's a quality issue or if there's a reversal you need to go to a human arbitrator in order to decide whether you know whether there's a refund or who gets paid the problem with inserting human arbitration into these in, into these systems is it adds cost trust and friction that really kind of breaks a lot of business models and certainly shrinks the scope of use and we discovered that pretty early when we were we were um, looking to implement an early prototype with a, a company called Dex Freight, who are, who are a decentralized logistics platform, and and they wanted to reward their truck drivers for like you know, they, they did like DeFi uh, financing, etc. And they wanted to reward their truck drivers for financing or being on time with tokens. But truck drivers don't want tokens. What they want are real world products and services. So an early early prototype of Boson Protocol was going to enable that. But if you have human arbitrators, we just couldn't afford to run it from an operational and a commercial point of view. It just it was just too costly, too much friction. It it broke the system. And that's you know, that big problem was was when I thought, okay, let's put my physics hat on. Is this a to what degree can we reduce arbitration? I mean, can we reduce it at all? Can we eliminate it completely? Or can we at least cross a threshold where, you know, we, we, we get to sort of um, a practically autonomous system? And that, that, that's, um, that's Boson Protocol. So, I mean, do you, do you envision a future where you have something um, like a decentralized platform like eBay, where, you know, in the real world, eBay has thousands of employees, 
you know, that hander, handles all this stuff, that handles customer service, fulfillment, arbitration. Like, it, it, are we heading into a future where a decentralized eBay is basically going to be run by like two or three coders that just maintain the protocol? Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's part of our vision. We do these two things that e commerce does. So we coordinate the transactions between buyer and seller, but we're doing that in an autonomous way. Um, and then we also capture, or perhaps capture is the wrong word, we also leverage the commerce data and monetize that. And that would be through a, a partnership with um, Ocean Protocol. But rather than the value that's generated from coordinating commerce and monetizing data, rather than that going up to you know Jeff Bezos or to me, that's recycled within the protocol by, by the Boson token. So our, our vision for Boson is to be that decentralized substrate for coordinating commerce transactions and also the kind of planetary level database for commerce data. And so you don't necessarily want to be eBay, but you want to be the protocol that the founder of the decentralized eBay builds on top of. Exactly. Um, and that part of our strategy will be building some applications to drive network effects and that can be used as reference applications. So, for example, we're developing an application which would enable crypto native rewards, for example, crypto exchanges, crypto credit cards, in much the same way as centralized consumer finance needs to offer, needs to differentiate to avoid competing on fees. And they do this by offering rewards, etc. I mean, uh, the crypto exchange and crypto credit card industry also needs to do that to avoid competing on fees. And offering a crypto native NFT form factor for that so that those rewards can sit alongside cryptocurrencies within exchange and crypto credit cards wallets and be transferable using standard crypto infrastructure is one of those verticals. Another vertical that we will be developing is enabling these NFTs. I, I mean, I think the use case for in-game items that are represented as NFTs is, is, is blindingly obvious. But with Boson, you you can you can have with with within games in game items NFTs that are redeemable in the real world, and broader you could think of Boson protocol as a as a kind of commercial sort of trust bridge between the metaverse and the universe. Um, so you know if, if 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 our avatars met in Decentraland, for example, and we wanted to do a trade for your car or for a pizza or for something in in the real world, there's no way that we could trust each other to do that trade. Well, mm -hmm. Boson would enable that that trade to happen with trust assurances so that you would know that you would either get paid um, or I would get my money back. Got it. Very interesting. Yeah, I think Decentraland, Decentraland is the thing that really sparked my rabbit hole down this NFT uh -huh. world. Um, I've spent way too much time just walking around the Decentraland world. But I think it's super fascinating where where the space is going. I mean, yeah, everything that's going on with the NFT, it's kind of presenting the first initial use cases that I think will really hook people into this world. Absolutely. So I know a lot of or a part of your journey has been uh, being a part of the Outlier Ventures. Yeah portfolio and families. And I know Jamie Burke has a really stellar reputation yeah. in the space. Uh, I would love to just hear kind of your experience going through, I, I guess, do they have an accelerator program yeah. that, that you participated in? Yeah. So um, we were joined the inaugural Outlier Ventures Basecamp Accelerator. Um, yeah, we were really stoked to get to get on that. It was very com competitive to get on. 
And, um, you know, from day one, you're just, you're, you're immersed with the best and the brightest minds and the best advisors, um, you know, throughout that whole, and, and even after base camp, you know, you've just got access to whether it's token engineers, whether it's um, advising on, you know, tokenomics and, and but just everything and anything. And there's nowhere that you could go in terms of a university course or a consultancy or anywhere to access that sort of knowledge. And um, they are to us, they're like a, a third founder. Um, we, I mean, we're all, we've, we've worked together long enough. We're all like really good friends and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the best place for a uh, web three startup to, um, to, to, to go. And so I'd be curious to hear how you assess building yourself versus partnering. So you mentioned that you're building on ocean and yeah. I'm sure you have different, you know, integrations with, with other partners, but when you think about, you know, like different features that you want to add that you might be able to just integrate into someone else's mm. API or partner with someone else versus something that's core to your model and having to build it yourself, like how, how do you unpack that and, and assess which, which of those directions to go down? Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's the classic kind of strategic management view of core competencies and focusing on what you do better than anyone else. So that definitely applies. You, you want to do a couple of things really well. But I think also with another project I, I worked on, I had a couple of conversations with Carlotta Perez, the famous economics professor. And, um, you know, we were talking about how is it going to be possible for small startups to take on huge, giant corporations. And we discussed, and, and her view was that, you know, by having a swarm of specialists collaborating to compete against these large titans was the way to win. And you, you know, you see, if you look at a lot of, um, of protocols within the, the decentralized space, the, you know, the degree of sophistication and specialism is such that you know, all you can do is be specialist in your area and be composable with them. And then, you know, if you're, if you're going after a big market and you're going to disrupt a big incumbent, and you have, you know, you, you've plugged together some of the Lego pieces of, of you know, for example, you know, with, with us, with Ocean Protocol, and we've got a number of other partnerships that uh, we'll be announcing over the coming months. It's a, a really powerful proposition uh, that, that you can assemble. So, yeah, focusing on what you do best and connecting with uh, other specialist protocols is, is, is super competitive. Yeah, I agree. And it's really, I mean, it's just fascinating to watch what's going on in the DeFi space over the past couple months, mainly because like some of these protocols, because they're building on infrastructure that already exists and that's already there. Uh, I mean, some of these protocols are getting spun up in like a week or two. Yeah. And then they, you know, they just yeah. immediately are having hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in market cap. Just, um, and, and I think that during this next bull run, which it seems like is, is, is just about to pick up what seems like we're at the end of 2017 right now going into 2018. I think that fundamentals will matter a little bit more, but I, it just seems like there's still going to be this kind of unique irrationality that is, you know, I, I think Vitalik had a really interesting quote on how everybody thought that the crypto market was going to become more like the stock market. Whereas this year, <laughs> the stock market is looking a little bit more like the crypto market. Yeah. I think there will be kind of a core of 
base layer protocols like Chainlink and hopefully Boson Protocol, right, that are really able to have the numbers to actually justify the valuation. But it's, it seems like there it's just irrational exuberance that's going on in the DeFi world, I think, is a pretty good indicator of what's about to happen over the next few months in the space. Yeah, I mean, look, my view on, on all of this is I, I studied a lot of techno-economics and, you know, the, what technology means. And my view is we've gone through a transition from almost like RNA, which was the, the previous economy, to the sort of crypto economy being more like DNA. And what I mean by that is the actual substrate upon which we're building is inherently more programmable. And when life went from RNA to DNA, complex organisms could be built. And, the, and you know, all technologies are built from sort of nested building blocks that, that assemble, you know, from kind of cells to organs to, you know, and, and what you see within crypto is the ability for these building blocks now from base protocols to then, you know, kind of build up and up to these increasingly complex structures. And for sure, there are going to be failures and there are going to be, you know, bugs and, but it's an anti-fragile system. So each time you have one of those kind of blips or crashes, the system becomes more resilient and, you know, the progress goes on. So, you know, I, I, I did actually write an article a couple of years um, ago on, on this, but I, I see that we, it, it's a new type of economic system that's, that, that's going to build fundamentally more complex um, structures on top of it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think what's interesting is you also have, I think, all the components that are needed to really understand and put together a proper tokenomics um, when you look at your ex-physicist background, I, I believe you, you got a degree from uh, Imperial College. Is yeah, that, I mean, right? I I enjoy the subject. My perspective is more on a high-level system business model or sustainability model. I am fortunate that we, you know, we to count, we've got some really great um, advisors with Trent McConaughey, Michael Zargam, and and, and Zainab Gurchuk as advisors that we can, you know, develop the the token models with. So I would bow to their kind of, uh, you know, greater knowledge. But um, yeah, my my view is kind of a higher level system view. And then the, the token model is really how you kind of operationalize that, how you kind of cast that into a token model. Do you think with where we're at in the decentralized commerce space right now, is the bigger challenge the technical challenge or is the bigger challenge the distribution and adoption challenge? I think the technical challenge is substantial. I mean, I view things differently. I, I like the challenges because they're barriers to entry. They're good. Right. They're walls, right? If, if you've just on an open plane, then it's, it's a red ocean. So, you know, I, my, my co-founder, Gregor, was the teacher of um, multiple blockchain technology courses in my uh, blockchain masters. So, you know, he's, he's just kind of a guru in, in all of that stuff. So, it's a barrier, you know, I guess for, for others, the adoption. Um, yeah, that's, that's massive because you've got major UX and performance issues, but, but really the same things apply um, in terms of how to hack network effects, how to hack growth, and you've got more tools, right? So we will be using a form of, um, you know, we're kind of, kind of calling it farming, but it's supply side acquisition incentives to onboard merchants. And with tokens, um, you've got these additional toolkits to, you know, tools in your toolkit to incentivize earlier early adopters when perhaps there's not platform utility and to overcome this kind of, you know, the platform bootstrapping problem where, 
without buyers, there's no value for sellers. Without sellers, there's no value for buyers. You 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 can kind of net that off by just rewarding with with tokens early. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, for for me and Gregor and the team, it's like we're playing this kind of video game where we're building a, a core protocol as part of the future decentralized web, and, and 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 we love all these kind of tools and weapons that we have to play with. Awesome. Well, Justin, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show and best of luck with what you're building. Thanks very much for having me.